Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can follow us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. John, it is the second week of March, and um, things didn't go great last weekend, so we're going to start by talking football. Football school. Is that shallow? Is that bad? <laughs> Is that tip our hand as to how we feel about this previous weekend? Don't worry, we're not. I know it's a little bit of a cop out early on to to begin with football in the middle of a right before a March run, but um, don't worry, we will get into everything that happened last weekend, um, both games of it uh, shortly. So, um, but just, we, we want to start with football because we did miss a couple things last week, uh, in all of our excitement for, for the basketball tournament. Um, spring practice it's actually started last week, weird, which is insane. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. I, I don't, I don't think this is earlier than normal, but it feels like they were not gone for very long. I know. I mean, I love it. Yeah. I'm very excited. And we're coming up on, uh, little sp- little spring football game. Yeah, spring football game. Again, this is probably old news to most folks, but um, spring game was announced uh, to be at night. Kind of night. Night in the winter. It'll be dark at some point during this game. Uh, April 7th at 5 p.m. It'll be on BTN, the the green and white game. Um, Last year didn't have great attendance. Don't think the optimism was all too high. Hopefully this is uh, much different than, than last year. So uh, along with the announcement of the spring game and the beginning of spring practice was uh, the releasing of the spring rosters. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of familiar names. Anything jump out of you? Let's start there. Two two things. We knew a lot of guys were coming back, obviously. The two right. deep was in a pretty good spot. Yes. Um you know, you know, the good thing was that there are no, the noticeable absences were noticeable because of names, okay. not really <clears throat> because of what they have contributed on the field in the past. Um, the three that jumped out at me were uh, TJ Harrell, who again only jumps out at me because he switched positions every year and came to MSU <laughs> as like a, a four star linebacker and has never really settled anywhere. So um, he was not on the roster. Uh, Keontae Stallworth, who is a lineman who who bounced around from from offensive to defensive line and actually had a big game against Michigan. He had a sack against Michigan um, and looked like he may actually be working his way into the rotation, uh, was not on the on the roster. And finally, neither was Jalen Watts Jackson, mm. which is sad. Mm. Um, now, I, I think it is worth saying before we talk too much about these guys that the, the reasons for them being on the roster are not clear. Um, and Mark D'Antonio did allude to the fact that they could all three end up on the team in the fall. So it, the most logical thing to assume is that um, they're going through some academic issues at the moment. They've got to start pulling their weight before they can then put the pads back on. Um, it, you know, when you talk about these three guys, it's I don't really know about JWJ's past necessarily, but Keontae Stallworth I know struggled with grades in the past. So um, here's hoping all three of them end up back on the team. Um However, if they do end up back in, in the playing rotation or, or on the, the death chart at all, mm-hmm. they are going to face a, a, some stiff battles for playing That's time. That's right. Because there are essentially three open starting positions. That, that's insane. Yeah, not a lot of <clears throat> tick to, 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 to be grinding for here. No, um, and listen, that's that's also saying with the preface that, you know, 
Mark D'Antonio has never been shy about letting the best players play. So sure. if he's not just going to let these incumbents start sure. because they're the incumbent starters, like That's they're right. they're very much will be races at certain positions. But there there are basically three starting positions available, and they are center, Sam linebacker, which is where mm-hmm. center Brian Allen, Sam linebacker Chris, Chris Fry, defensive end Demetrius Cooper. And that's it. I mean, you've had plenty. Wrote. I mean, you've had some younger kids transfer. You know, Madre London, Hunter Ryzen, um, Tristan Jackson. You've had a handful of those types of players go. But when it comes to starters, I mean, you just you're just not. You don't have a lot of wiggle room. So um, it's it's going to be really interesting. I think it's center. It's probably Matt Allen. Yeah, John. Tell me if you've heard this before, but there might be an Allen starting on the offensive line for the Michigan State Spartans. I kind of wanted to get a, to a point <clears throat> where we could have an entire team of siblings, or at least a unit. We're not... I, I don't defense, think... They're not that far. Right. So we had, you know, the Panasics. Yep. You know, and then we have the Dowels. Mm-hmm. Okay. That so, alone is five players. So we're getting there. We're, <laughs> like, we're going to need two more good families. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you've got a Bolo as a coach now. Right. Okay. Um, so there's that. Um, it's, yeah, so, you know, Matt Allen's going to get a crack at the job. I think Tyler Higby and Jordan Reed will both get looks there. You know, the spring is a time for, for testing out players at new positions. I mean, cause really, if you look at the rest of the offensive line, you've got Chewins, Beadle, Jarvis, and Campbell. I, hard to imagine any of them getting beat out for a starting job. I suppose the guards, you know, yeah. Higby Reed could, could possibly give Jar, you know, Beetle or Jarvis a run, but those two guys with another year of uh, another offseason under their belt are going to be tough to move. Right. Um, so that'll probably be the the race there at center at Sam linebacker. Well, excuse me, defensive end I think is is a more wide open one because there isn't you know you have Kenny Willickis on one side, which I think is pretty obviously the starter. He should be good. And then the other end, it's it's sort of up for grabs because Cooper was the the main guy, but. Um, you know, behind him was a little bit. Of, there was no, no one ever really jumped out except, I guess, Jacob Panashuk mm-hmm. started to play a lot towards the end of the season. You've got him and you've got Mufi Hunt, Love who it. apparently is up over three hundred pounds now, per the media guide. Large human. That's a large man. He's about six six, three hundred pounds. That's a fella right there. And so you've got those two guys are going to get in the mix. Um, I, I'm sure some of these freshmen that are coming in uh, will. Uh, also, but you know, you got to think they're going to get a lot of snaps. The interesting open job to me in terms of starters is Sam linebacker. Yeah. Because Andrew Dowell has been there for a year and a half. Yep. But started to lose snaps to Antoine Simmons, the true freshman last mm-hmm. year, true sophomore this year. Uh, Simmons played a lot and he flashed a lot. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how can you keep him off the field? And is he a fit for the star role? I think Andrew Dowell might be a little better fit for that, replacing, um, or excuse me, I think that Dowell might be a better fit for the Sam role and that Simmons might be a better fit for the star role, which is where they both played a year ago. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see all three of them as starting. And if Simmons can move a year and a half starter out of that job, I feel like that says a lot. You know, you said uh, earlier to the pod here, D'Antonio has a system, but he is not afraid to flex it for the talent that he has. He will move people to the best position possible, and he'll also find ways to get guys on the field. Mm -hmm. So if that's if it's a if it's not working perfectly, but I have a guy I got to get out there, right? Figure it out. Yeah, and I think those are your three best options as linebackers. Um, I mean, I know you got other guys. Brandon Randall has been playing. uh, I read he was playing a decent amount of the Sam as well. So. You've got guys. There's another Bullo in there. Byron's still available. Mm-hmm. Um, plenty of players, but it'll be. I think those are probably your three best in terms of sheer talent. Those are your three best starters between those two and Bocce. But um, he's good. Yeah, Joe, yeah. In case you haven't heard of him, he's pretty good. Um, the other backup job, which had me real, I've been gushing about Connor Hayward for quite some time. You love him, and my big baby boy. Um, the running back race if you want to even call it that it's not a race it's a race for the backup position is wide open right now yeah as we've talked about before however it 
at this point, it really feels like it's Connor Hayward's to lose. Maybe not his to lose, but it is his. He has a major advantage when it comes to winning that job, simply because there's no competition here in the spring. Yeah, you're right. There's there's only upside for him, right, mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and that's not to say that come this summer uh, there there won't be that we know that there will be some guys coming in yeah. to, to pressure and push. Um, but rare, rare is the true freshman that can come in and like get reps, get, it's just yeah. like Le'Veon Bell was the well, last Well, LJ right? Scott. I mean, well, LJ I Scott was the last one. It's more of the fact that like when you look at, there's in the spring, you know, this is your, typically your younger guys, your redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore. This is their ch- chance to make a move for PT going into the next year. Um, and getting a, a step up, a leg up on those true freshmen that they've got coming in. And MSU has two good ones coming mm-hmm. in in Ladarius Jefferson and Eli Collins, Elijah Collins. They both project to play probably running back, at least to start. They, they're versatile talents, but I think they're both going to start running back um, to begin their careers. But when you look at the here and now, in this spring, neither of them are early enrollees, so neither are on campus. Uh, Madre London, who would have been probably the shoe, definitely the yeah. shoe in for the backup job, um, has transferred. And there is no third string. And, you know, Gerald Holmes graduated. Uh, yeah. You got to think that, I mean, LJ Scott's probably not going to run out here and get a ton of carries in the spring because they know they need to lean yep. on him in the fall. Right. So he's almost the last man standing. Yeah. So by default, he is going to get a lot of these first team reps. That's right. And, I mean, the kid didn't play running back this year. He did in high school, I think. But, like, a full 15 practices worth of first team reps for the most part. Not bad. I, I mean, can't ask for more than that. Well, it's got to excite us as fans that he's actually got a chance to learn the position, you know, and uh, hopefully really cement his role, or at least either you're going to know what you got or you're going to know that you got to move him somewhere else. Yep. I mean, I mean let's not forget Riley Bullitt was a running back for a couple of weeks in the spring a few years ago. Those were tough times. Yeah, the, the well was dry. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so football, um, 179 days until the, the opener against Utah State. Not that we're counting. Not that we're counting, but, uh, yeah, from when this is recorded, 179 days. Um, all right, John, I well, think it's I, I think it's time to pull the Band-Aid off. Um, so we played Wisconsin. Right. <laughs> so everybody knows what happened this past weekend was the uh, Big Ten basketball tournament in the Big Apple. Um, honestly, as an overall – it was a wildly entertaining tournament. I mean, really. So many great games. Pretty much every game, with the exception of Michigan State's second one, was a really good game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was super entertained by watching Rutgers, the butt, dude, taking down the apple. Rutger. They Rutger. tried so hard. Dude, they almost did, too. They almost had Purdue. They were in that game till the very end. And um, your stance that Rutger is almost a decent team stands. i'm just saying i'm just <laughs> saying i came to the i came with that prediction a while ago and i said they're just not that far from being pesky <laughs> and i stand by it i stand by it they got everybody Man, coming back next year like the least hot take ever they're okay. almost not bad <laughs> <laughs> no they're almost not the laughing stock of collegiate athletics hey man dream big Rutgers. they've they've literally been the 14 seed every year as you pointed out yeah. last time four years in the big 10 four straight 14 seeds and four straight not even like tied for last no like, like very last <laughs> last place so emphatically last oh man i hope they uh at least they're bringing something to the table in football Oh, Boy. man. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, we got to talk about Michigan State's games. Um, they played two the, against Wisconsin and then against that, that school from Ann Arbor. Um, the Wisconsin game was fairly typical yeah. Michigan State-Wisconsin yep. game. Um, a lot of the same frustrating things from MSU where, you know, and you'll know this, note this later in the overarching thoughts, but they really let Wisconsin dictate. Yep the game as as wisconsin does that seems to i mean that's always been their game but um they really dictated the flow of this one this was for the first time all season and this is the third matchup against wisconsin that for the first time in that series this year uh ethan happ had a really good game he did he was unstoppable no yeah i mean um it's a really solid 
core, especially if, if Wisconsin can get healthy next year, yes. they'll be fine. I don't think they're going to be great. I think uh, the Big Ten actually, for as, quote, down, you know, it is this year, there are going to be some nice teams coming back, and we'll get to that this summer. But, like, there are some teams that you kind of look around and say, oh, they don't lose much. Well, there's not a lot. I mean, I think we may have touched on this a little last week, but in terms of early declaration talent, there may be one or two guys in the whole league. Yeah, that, that really should go. I mean, like Tony Carr. Yeah, he can. He could probably take off if he felt like. If he it. wanted to, I'm sure he could get drafted in the first round. I don't know how high. Yeah, but I think he could be a first round pick. You're gonna. Um, then from Purdue, you have, um, you know, Haas, who probably I think he's a senior. Can get out of here. Carson Edwards is going to be really good next year. Yeah, Carson like, Edwards is like Big Ten Player of the Year. Like next year. Like wooden award like top 15 pick yeah. he's a real, the real he's deal. real deal but they lose vincent edwards they lose dakota matthias as well i believe there's a lot going out the door there a lot going out the door in east lansing in all likelihood mm-hmm. um really michigan state's the team that's going to lose the most underclass talent by far yeah so you do you, that's that's more of a macro point but the big 10 is going to bring a lot back next year there's just a lot of youth, and that, I think, it you know goes hand-in-hand hand with why the conference was the way it was this year. But like you said, Wisconsin going to be good next year. You could really see them hit that next gear down the stretch of their season this year. They started to figure out who they were, get a little more comfortable. Um, Davison seemed to apply himself as that, that second alpha dog. Um, he, once again, that little step back he's got is borderline unguardable. I want to talk about that step back because um... – it's not possible to have a step back if you have to shoot a three, which they did <laughs> at the end of the game. Yeah. So that's why Tom was able to defend it so well and yep. not jump. Um, you know, it. And, and I'm not disrespecting Tom. I, it was great defense. When you know, in another situation, though, it's a lot harder to defend that if, if, you, if he can right. go by you. Yeah. So great work for not jump, biting. Um, good defense. I... Uh... So it did come down to that last play, like you said. It was a three-point game, three-point lead by Michigan State. Um, I want to talk about the sequence leading up to that, though, because I got roasted pretty good on Twitter um, saying – so it was a five-point game with maybe 25 seconds left. Mm -hmm. And Izzo did the typical get Cassius out, bring in Tum Tum for his – you know, I'm doing big-time air quotes here, but his defense. Um, Tum Tum comes in, basically immediately sprints back to the three-point line, uh, Hap sets a screen, Davison splits the screen, like it goes right around it and just runs right to the basket and scores. Uh, cuts the lead to three. Um, you know, certainly not the, the end of the world, but, um, and not all Tum Tum's fault either. Nope. A lot of that was on Tillman who just hedged way too far, yeah. way too far up the court. Not great. But, um, then Tum, then Michigan State gets the ball and gets the ball to Miles Bridges who has a, one and one misses the front end. Misses another clutch free throw. He's made a lot. I know. Do not it's get me wrong. Yeah. I know. That I don't think this this storyline is necessarily fair. However, this is the front end of a critical one and one. And then Tum Tum did exactly what you said. Played fantastic defense, knowing that this guy has to launch a three. My, I said how I thought that was a complete failure on Tum Tum's part in that defensive possession. And while it wasn't, definitely was not all on him. I just thought it was his effort on that play was just just oh, wasn't great. I mean, like like I know you've got it's on Tillman. The, the 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 bulk of this play is Xavier Tillman's fault. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. But Tum Tum was still a step slow. He still didn't see. He didn't even look over his shoulder to see the pick coming. I feel like we're dissecting a play that didn't matter. No, I'm, <laughs> all I'm saying is when people got people were giving him all you know. Patting Tum Tum on the back and giving him credit for defense that he deserved. It's just, I, you know, he he helped create the situation in which he had to play phenomenal defense. And I'm, that just bugged me a little bit. I'm going to create a situation that doesn't need to happen just okay. for the sake of... Situation creating? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, is Matt McQuaid playing well enough to start? I don't think this is a egregious question i tell you what i've rarely done a 180 on a player i've gone 180 on mcquade like three different <laughs> times in, in his career i can't i started yeah. off being the biggest ah, fan of the world loved him. against kansas love just him. huge shots you know love it love that weapon off the bench played really well he he was 
a valiant effort when he was thrust into backup point guard. Yeah. He had no business being there, but exactly. tried. Tried real hard. Yeah, man. Bless your heart. Um, and then just like really struggled to come back from his injury. And then this year was super frustrating. And But in the last 10 games, I mean, he's been as big a weapon as Michigan State's got. There are times when he looks like the only adult. It's crazy. Like, he's so confident. And like, it's unbelievable because there have been so many times with him where he's not. Where you've wondered, like, <laughs> does this guy even think he can make the yeah. shot? It's it's been it's been um, nice to see him <laughs> yeah. grow up here a little bit. And and um, you wonder, man, if McQuaid starts and and does Langford come off the bench and and does Langford give a boost to a second team that struggles to create their own offense, where. Um, you know, McQuaid also may struggle to do that, but may exceed or succeed at a higher rate when he's around playmakers. Yeah, it's worth talking about. No, it's worth talking about. And actually, Izzo, I think, has probably had similar ideas because you actually see, I've noticed yep. kind of early in the first halves of games around like 16, 15, 16 minute mark, um, that wave kind of comes in. That second group with Lankford, sometimes with Bridges, sometimes with Lankford, it's usually the bench mob and a starter are in there. And I don't hate that as a uh, – here's here's what I'll say. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't th- – like, listen, maybe you think yeah. you need to, like, rattle Shake. the cage at this I point, but, know. like, you're, you're 29 and 4. I don't even know if it's rattling the cage. It's just, like, this guy's playing well. You know, it doesn't – like, aside from everything else. And I, then – I get it. And then, like, back to the point of, like – does it have to be a demotion? Does it have to be a promotion? Can it just be like, hey, Josh, you know what we need you to do? We need – get ready, everyone, for this reference. We need you to be uh, Vinny Johnson. We need you to be the, microwave. the microwave. Off the bench, man. We yeah. need you to come in and get buckets when we have the Tom Schilling Goins mm-hmm. lineup on the floor. Yeah, I mean, I can I... – You know how much easier and more happier we are with – Langford hunting for a shot with that team on the floor yeah. than when Jaron, Cassius, and Miles are on the floor and we're like, I'm not sure that's the best shot, Josh. I don't disagree with you. I, I and I think the I think the merits of it are really strong and you've seen it. Like you've seen that's why Izzo plays that lineup, I think, early. I wouldn't mind seeing it more often, I suppose. I guess if it, it or McQuaid, I guess, going with the first team and Josh going with the second team more often. I just don't think at this point, like, Josh's confidence is clearly not at an all-time high after this last game, and you're heading into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I don't know that being like, hey, now you're going to come off the bench after starting all season for a team that won almost 30 games in the regular season. I don't know if that's and you're right. the recipe. However, I think you'll see that you might see it more in the first two games, hopefully two games of the tournament well and you know that's where you're bringing in um maybe a, some qualitative mm-hmm. analysis where i am kind of grounded in in some quantitative. quantitative and one of the areas of quantitative analysis that i have just been struggling with so much is i've really gone back and i put my nose in the box scores guys because i have been looking mm-hmm. what is it what is the thing why are we not fulfilling what i thought was maybe the ceiling where is it at? What is the one thing or maybe 10 things that are or are not happening? And I couldn't find it. I can't find it. I cannot find it. The closest thing I can come up with is that our assists per game are down in the last five. I don't know if that is what changes between beating Michigan or not. So yeah. I can't find it. Uh, I mean, I think the reason you can't find it, and we talked about this earlier today, just you and I, but I just don't think it's there. Like, I, I think... It's almost kind of hard to explain, but I, I I don't think that this team is complacent necessarily, but I, things come so easily to them, and they're just so talented that it's – they didn't lose that many games. That's right. And what you saw, I think, when they did lose was how they responded to it Two out, two out of the three times during the regular season, how they responded to it was going was turning into a friggin' buzzsaw and just running through good teams. I mean, after they lost to Duke, they were undefeated for another two months. I mean, they won yeah. how many games in a row? You know, they they ended up 
winning winning every game until early January, and that was happening in early November. I mean, you won for two months, and then you had that rough week where you lost to Ohio State, you lost to Michigan. That was that was a bad week. But then after Michigan, they win. 14 games in a row, 13 games in a row, and end up, again, bowing out to Michigan um, in the Big Ten tournament. I think what this team needs is that mental kick in the ass because you, they're just not the most mature group. I mean, it's it, it's crazy to look at it now because you think of today's college basketball you know, landscape and you think – if guys stick around till they're sophomores, they're senior citizens mm-hmm. in a lot of these big schools. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, these kids are still 19 years old. Yep. And I don't think Michigan State's team as a whole has necessarily progressed to this, like, able to bring it every night, able to get up for all the games they need to get up to every time type of level. You see the le- the, the diehard level of focus from them after they get punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And it, they're so talented that it just didn't happen very often this season. It's true. So if you want to go full spin zone here, you could say that losing this game was actually the best thing never happened to this team. Okay. I mean, I'd love to say that we again. This is stretching, admittedly stretching things a bit, but there are. I think there are silver linings to come out of this. Um, they responded their best to when getting punched in the face this entire season. They just got absolutely pantsed in front of the entire nation on on a huge stage. Um, they now they have to sit in that in that anger for two weeks. It's a long time. That's a long time. There's nowhere to go but to look in the mirror. You, right. You, you right. can't even look at the next team's tape because there's you don't even know you're playing. Right. You can do nothing. Yeah, you're left to stew in your own anger and to be extremely introspective. And I think um, not only does it go for the the players, but I think it goes for the coaches. I mean, the thing that troubled me the most about MSU losing to Michigan in for the second time this year is that Tom Izzo got absolutely pantsed yeah. by John Beeline. It, Two it, games in a row. Yeah, it wasn't close from the sideline perspective. I, I mean, it, it was unbelievable. And I want to be clear. Izzo is a fantastic, fantastic coach. We know that. Hall of Famer. Of course literally, he is. Uh, literally already is. There are very few tacticians in game that can dominate Tom Izzo. Yeah. They are, as we've seen, Coach Mike Krzyzewski, mm-hmm. Coach him. Roy Williams, and to an extent lately we've seen um, we've seen John Beeline. And there aren't a lot. Because you you don't see other great coaches, you know, good coaches out there. You don't see the Matt Painters of the world, even Bo Ryan's you know, that we're taking him to task. That's not the case. It's there are so few. Yeah. And when it happens, it's almost eye-opening because you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's rare. And and this is a case where they have a guy who, and to be clear, Michigan State is the number one, he's the nation in blocks per game, and because of that, indirectly, defensive field goal percentage. So what did John Beeline do? He made he took that away. He schemed out defensive help side blocks. He took that out of the game, and now all of a sudden, you have a much more favorable offensive matchup where you're playing a two man game. Yeah, and and, and like, you got a damn good big, and, and you have a, a, a fantastic big in Mo Wagner who was able to get to the rack in the second half and do whatever he wanted after a terrible first half. So just like you saw Izzo um, teach Matt Painter a lesson, hmm. well. The biggest strength we had on defense was taken away from us. Yep. And this is a team that does not produce steals. Yeah. And, and that was the result. Well, I, th- I think there's another aspect to this that beyond the um, – beyond Izzo. I yeah. mean, listen, he, he, he didn't bring anything new creatively to the offensive end of the floor and really hasn't all season. Mm-hmm. Hasn't done much. I mean, Miles Bridges starts to get the ball at the top of the key more often. That's great. But that's the only major adjustment we've seen all year. Uh, defensively, he was completely outwitted in this game, like we just talked about. Um, but then you look at the players, and, and this is the stuff that, again, to be completely clear, and I'll get back to this in a minute, Michigan State is good enough to win the national championship. This game did not dissuade me no. in, in, in any no. way from the fact that MSU could win the whole damn thing. The, the statistics bear it out. Yeah. There's 1,000%. They could also, what this game did for me was also just hammer home point. They could lose in the second round. 
There's, there's no question. None of that. <laughs> I think that may be the most surprising thing for us. Yes. If you asked us four months ago. Yeah. But at the same time, I think both of us are saying there are very few coaches that are going to be able to outwit yes. Tom Izzo to the, with, and, and have the talent to execute Yes, it. agreed. And it's just not there. No. And well, there are so few teams that can do that. When you talk about talent, you talk about teams, um, the actual players, let's get into what the players did in, in this game against U of M. Um, some really disappointing stuff from a couple different guys. First, first is Nick Ward. Complete inability to keep. I think I think when you look at the front court, Nick Ward and Jaron Jackson. One of the things that's frustrating, and one of the things that I, I'm not sure if it's a coaching staff thing or what, but like these guys, you got to grow up. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't let Michigan get into your head right off the bat like Ward did. You can't take a tech two minutes into the game. You just can't do it. I get it. I get it. Talk your shit. Like throw a bow. You know. So, you know when you're in the post, like. He gets beat up every single game, game in and game out, and he was getting hacked when he got when he started to complain. But it's time to sack up. Like you, you got a game to go in. Don't let yourself get in your own head, and don't let them get in your own head. Instead, that's exactly what happens. Ward plays ten minutes, scores six points. One of Michigan State's biggest weapons off the floor. It was a guy who shoots seventy percent from the from the floor. Uh, and then when he is playing, he missed a huge bunny of a layup to cut the game to four with yeah. like three minutes left. Which, which MSU didn't. I know it's an eleven point end of this final score. MSU was much, much closer than that throughout the entire game. The next guy uh, and is Jaron Jackson. Um, one for six from deep. Looked like he was really just sort of rushing his shots. Again, I think he was in his own head. One of the things that Jaron has done consistently this entire year, and yes, he just turned 18, so I get it, but he is so caught up in the calls made against him Every single time down, every time, even when it's so obvious, yep. when he goes right over somebody's back and gets whistled, he jumps around, he'll complain to the rest. Guys, we know. We've been complaining about the Big Ten officiating all year. It's it's abysmal. But you can't let that take you out of what you're trying to do. And to Warden Jackson's credit, they haven't. It's not like they've been doing that every single game. But like in a game like this, with so much on the line, you you just have to keep going. You have to keep, you just have to keep playing. Well, and then, so I think we talked about this too. It's, you know, so you have Nick Ward, who we, who we say, man, I get it. You are getting pummeled. I mean, he just gets, because he's such a big, strong guy. Right. He just, for some reason, doesn't get the same calls as everyone else. And then the, you know, for Jaron, this is a kid who just turned 18. Doesn't quite have the maturity that maybe even other freshmen have. Right. He's just not, right. well, she's not know, there yet. And, and so there you look at that and so you say, okay, so who helps with that? That's not, they're not on an island. They are not on an island. Right. They don't have to be on an island. Who is out there? And so then you have to ask your question, who is the leader of this team? On the floor. Right. And the, prob- the problem is it's Tum Tum. Well, but who's on the floor? Tum can't be there who all is the it? time. I don't think it's Nick. I don't think it it's Miles Bridges. Be, and then if, if it's not, then that is where we all came to the, so we're all coming full circle here when I can't find it in the box score. Right. It's a qualitative thing. Is this just a team that just doesn't quite have the level setting ability, you know, to calm themselves? Is this a team that doesn't have the kill factor step on their throat? Yeah. These are I mean, questions. that's fair. I don't necessarily agree with the kill factor step on their throat because they've won so many close games this year. I mean, I, I understand and, they haven't buried And one teams. would argue that they are much better than three to five point winners no. over Iowa's of the world. I agree. In the Illinois of the I, world. I don't disagree. I think when you this team this really this season breaks up into two parts, the non-conference and the conference. In the non-conference, they were burying teams. Yep. Burying good teams. And you a know, very good Notre Dame team with Bonzi Colson and a very good North Carolina team that's looking like they might get a two or a three seed. Burying them. Mm-hmm. And then all the other, you know, uh, non-conference games. I think there may have been one close of all of those kind of like bumbly little teams that they needed to bury. I mean, DePaul and UConn were kind of close, but not no. really. Oh, no. Like, I and I and then you go from that and you go into the Big Ten. I think it's always going to happen where games are going to be closer in conference. Coaches know you better. Teams get up for every game more. They realistically think they can win every game, whereas yeah. when Savannah State rolls in, they don't think they're going to come and beat Michigan State. They're just there to have fun and get paid. The coaches in the school, that is. Yeah. Um, but 
You're right. I mean, there are plenty of games where, you know, at what point you, you said this to me one time is at what point it, is it not that we're getting everybody else's best game? And at what point is it us playing to our Michigan state playing to their competition? And that's scary come tournament time. Mm-hmm. It's scary when you can't assert yourself, um, the way you need to in big moments. Now I think not necessarily big moments, but in, in, in those types of games. Now I think moving forward into the tournament, I genuinely believe, and I've been saying this for weeks is that getting out of the big 10, it might be the best, best thing to ever happen. Absolutely. In Michigan State. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's, there's, and there's plenty to gain from winning close games. Right. This is not tons. A, it's not a complaint. It's just a question. And, and we know that they can beat elite teams handily. Right. We saw it. I saw it with my own eyes in Portland. Right. I also have seen this team get completely got. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's it's just a really interesting thing. And, and you know, it's it's not who's gonna show up is I think the question for me is who's going to who's gonna take charge? Who's in charge here? Yeah. So so that's that's again it comes back to you know, let's just take a look. Where are they right now? Right now they're at home. They're going to be at home for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. They have nothing, and there's nothing they can do. You have to use this time. And, and this is where you turn it over to Tom Izzo, Hall of Fame coach, and you mm-hmm. say, Absolutely. And, and, you know, he's knowing this more than anybody else. There is, I guarantee you, there's a sick little part of him, maybe not even that little, <laughs> that is thrilled, thrilled, giddy that his team lost in this tournament. I know he wanted to win it, and he would never tell you anything otherwise, but. I've said this in years past where I think he, I don't, I don't always think that he cares that his team loses. He wants his team playing the best when it matters the most. And his team is clearly not doing that right now. Yeah. And so you got two weeks, you got two weeks, figure it out, figure it out. I mean, like, listen, we, this has all been as much as I, you know, they loved winning the big 10 regular season outright as much Mm -hmm. as you loved winning the PK 80 setting all these, you know, records, individual statistics, you know, you're going to end up probably with 30-plus wins on the season, which is incredible. Uh, none of that really matters. Like, it's fun, and it's going to be fun not stuff for us to look program. at. Not, well, not given the expectations you had coming into this year. So, I mean, not at this program. Not at this year with this program. Absolutely not. They, I mean, I really, I think, I don't want to say national championship or bust because I think that's that's a lot to ask. However, I mean, you can't tell me that anything less than – a final four will be a failure. I mean, cause I think there's a difference. This is important to say, I think there's a difference between disappointing and surprising. Like, like mm-hmm. I don't, I think if they lose before that, I won't be surprised, mm-hmm. but I'll be super, 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 super disappointed. I, I will make this statement 20 years from now. If I am fortunate enough to still be on this earth and I am telling my, <laughs> Uh, family, kids, or, or about this team, and I will have to say, yeah, they were all on the same team together. Right. <laughs> Seriously, because I, I truly right. believe there are so many guys on this team that will make a name for themselves on other teams in in the pros. Yeah, that, I agree. That will do things, or at least have a you know do something, and I'll be like, yep, they were all together. Yeah, I saw it, mm-hmm. and and I want to say when I'm having that story, that they all peak together at the right time. Right. And I don't think that that's, I don't think that's out of the question by, by any stretch. So, um, you know, we have, like I said, we all have a lot of time to think. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. A lot of time to reflect. So, um, I did want to ask you a question. Now that we've done the New York City experience, at the Madison Square Garden Big Ten Tournament, did we like that segment? Segment. Uh, I mean, total cop out. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know yet. And the reason I say that is because I think there were good things and bad things about it. Um, the in terms of the good, I mean, people went to the games. Like that's great. You're also in New York City. There are so many people there. I would hope people were at the game. Um, the Rutgers thing was fun. Mm-hmm. That was cool to have happen in New York. That's cool for them. But, like, if that's the highlight of your tournament, yeah, not great. Like, I, I, I'm i kind of really tired of every 
one I've seen uh, writing about this saying, see, just give it a chance. I told you it would be fun. Look, there were a bunch of people there. Guys, of course there were people there. New York City has the second highest number of Big Ten grads in the country behind Chicago. Yeah, there were always going to be people right. there. That was never the issue. No. Okay? And and this is where it becomes the part where I don't know is now you're in that lull that we've been talking about this whole podcast of like, okay, we've got two weeks. Like, if this ends up being the perfect remedy for all that ails Michigan State, whether that's realistic or not, then I loved it. Let's do it every year. Give me the two weeks off. Let's go. But if not, and if it turns into, oh, uh, you know, you had Langford, Jackson, Winston uh, combining to go one of 13 from the three-point line against Michigan, if it turns into, oh, shit, that's another two weeks off, they're going to do that again, then I don't like it. Um, I think ultimately I'm just glad it's over, I, and I hope they never do this stupid break ever again. I just I, I'll put one more piece of information out there. Uh, the commissioner of the Big Ten, Jim Delaney, who has never apologized or thought he has done anything wrong in his entire tenure, apologized for doing this. Yeah, that dude, okay. So like, that might you be a tell, sign. You tell me, right? So um, we'll see how it all plays out. And um, you know, that said, we have a lot of time on our hands, so we want to talk about you know what conference tournament games we're going to be looking at. Here. Yeah. So, John, why don't, you, uh, why, don't you, why don't you take us away? So, if you're interested in Michigan State's seeding... Um, which you probably are. Which, I, if you're listening to the podcast, I can see how you might be. There are a few teams to keep an eye on. Um, I, would, I would recommend if you... You're probably rooting against teams more than for anyone. In this case, in the SEC, you probably don't want Auburn or Tennessee to win it all. Um, those are two, two programs that are kind of neck and neck in the right in the area, maybe a little below or a little above Michigan state, as far as the sea line goes Mm -hmm. Um, in the American um, you probably don't want Cincinnati to win. And you also might not want Wichita state to beat Cincinnati in the finals. Now, if they're playing each other, we're already, we've already lost, but, (laughs) (laughs) but that's something to keep an eye on. And then the last piece, the big 12, I would say you probably don't want Texas tech or West Virginia to win it all. So it's a pretty safe bet. Uh, to put on your rock chalk glasses and it's, you, know, you don't have to or you can just go all in on like tcu or something yeah i mean you know? there's a horn frog hey man do whatever you gotta do um, so but not baylor never. anybody but baylor. <laughs> never baylor hashtag never baylor so uh and then there are some other things to keep an eye on if you don't want to think about michigan state you just want to enjoy some some uh some college hoops some hoopy ball some shooty hoops there are some <laughs> Teams I want you to keep an eye on. These are teams that have never made the NCAA tournament. So if you're looking for a reason to watch something on, you know, these weekday nights. Before we get into that, yeah. shout out to the Loyola Ramblers. Loyola the Ramblers. Chicago. The Blurs. Hashtag Blurs. 33 years. And you Blurs know, Mafia. You know shout who, out Tinez. You know, my boy. Yeah, you know who is an assistant coach on the Ramblers? One Denzel Valentine's brother, Drew Valentine. Yes. See? First year. Shout out Drew. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first year uh, on the staff, got to feel like he's a big part of it. Turned it around yeah. 33 years since they made the tournament, and they are dancing in Chicago, one year removed from Northwestern dancing. So, yeah. the teams, hey, they're the real Chicago team yeah, as far as I'm go. concerned. Chicago's, <laughs> Chicago's Ohio Valley team. <laughs> the, the Missouri Valley. Missouri Valley, right. <laughs> Different yeah. Valley. Either way, hashtag Flores, let's go. <laughs> So in the American East, uh, you may be familiar, this is the also known as the Vermont Invitational. Uh, but this year, Hartford is in the semifinals. They've never made the NCAA tournament. Feel free to root for the, uh, <laughs> Hartford University. If you want to uh, root for a team in the MEAC, sure. you might remember a awful game that you put yourself through <laughs> over the weekend against the Savannah State team. Um, Savannah State... Top 200 RPI team, number three seed, and um, still averaging the most three-pointers per game. They've never made the tournament. Feel free f- to root for Savannah State. Let's do it. And then out in the West uh, Coast, if you're really into staying up really late, mm-hmm. um, there'll be some games for you. Um, in the WAC, one Grand Canyon, led by Thunder Dan Marley, is a three seed. That's right. They kick off Thursday night. Never made the tournament. Why not? Lopes up, baby. Lopes up. <laughs> Is that a thing? They're the antelopes. Oh man, I'm so. Why? There's got to be an explanation. There. There, I mean, Are there even de- North American antelopes? 
Um, can't speak to that. <laughs> I hope not. I don't know. I've been to the university and they have a statue of a lope. Of an antelope? An antelope. That's fantastic. Yeah, and they they have almost similar to the Texas Longhorns. Yeah. Lope situation with the oh, hand signal. Yeah. Different. I can't remember quite how it works. But also, while we're here and talking about Grand Canyon University, it's a for-profit university. Oh. And yeah, the first and only, I believe, that has Division One athletics. And secondly, and I'm not I'm not overstating this. Google their student section. It is insane. The havoc. The havoc. They are no, and I am not overstating this. They might be the. They, I know for a fact that they are up there with the Izone, the Cameron Crazies. I mean, they are nuts. So check them out. I mean, it is. They are. They do some odd things. So that's your lesson. We're gonna on. do a quick Google image search here. Um, oh wow. They get they get after They're it, man. They're very purple. Yeah, they they go nuts. They've it's got for a, real. Yeah, wait, that's an antelope. Oh, their mascot is fantastic. They just get after it. GCU. It, it's it, it's a party. They have a DJ that spins before the during the pregame. That's awesome. I mean, it, it's a, it's unreal. So. Um, oh yeah, I see the lopes. There's the lopes. your there's your whack team. Okay. Um, I dig. Yeah, and I mean, isn't that the Gonzaga, or is that the West Coast Conference? That's no. the WCC. Yeah, the West Coast Conference is different than the Western Athletic Conference. You know, there's a reason you're the I'll stay up and watch this guy, and I am the... I'm here to help. I am the ESPN broadcast, BTN broadcast guy. Um, so other one other one, Oh yeah. real quick. Who you got? Cleveland State. They just made it to the finals. They made it to the finals of the Horizon League, taking down Oakland. That's sad. I love me a Greg Campy. Yeah, I like Greg Campy, too. He's got the he's got the good he's got a good coach like frump situation. Oh, he's, he's just very frumpy. He's just decided his diet is this is it. Yeah, he's going. Shouts out to all of the southeastern Michigan folks where that'll understand this reference. The man probably eats at a lot of Leo's Coney Islands. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Probably just smashes chili. I just dogs. don't see him as missing many hot and readies that have mm, made it across his desk. I think that he is probably. I'd like to have a dinner with. Greg Campbell. It's probably yeah. an, it's probably a, a he's an hilarious aggressive experience. Yeah, I bet he's just hilarious, dude. And he um, attacks the food. <laughs> Cleveland State, uh, before their upset win over Oakland, upset the number one seed Northern Kentucky, who won um, the conference tournament last year. They they beat the Norse, the easy favorite uh, of uh, the Horizon League. Cleveland State went from nine wins on the season to playing in the finals of of the Horizon League tournament. Hey. It's March, man. You can do whatever you want. As John Rothstein would say. Dude, don't reference this him on this is podcast. March. Dude, is I literally don't know anything else about him besides it's that. It's just lame. Like, it's March, though. That's your shtick. Like, get out of here. It is March. <laughs> Technically, he's correct. Facts All only. right, what, one more thing, and we are going to obviously get into um, the tournament in much more detail next week, but the question people are probably all asking is, what seed does it look like Michigan State's going to get? You know, John just kind of walked you through the scenarios there, but at this point, if you can even believe it, Michigan State is probably looking at a three seed. Yeah, that, that doesn't mean they can't play in Detroit, if I understand it correctly. There, uh, it it's going to be interesting. So, the teams that are just definitively above them, and regardless of what happens in their conference tournament, will stay above them. You got Virginia, you got Villanova and Xavier, and, and Kansas, and and really, um, they're not going any. They right. will be above Michigan State no matter if they drop their first game in, in their conference tournament. Okay, and then you got the, the second batch, and you got a, a Duke, um, a Purdue, a North Carolina, and a Cincinnati. And you might recognize two of those teams because they lost to your Spartans. Mm-hmm. They have otherwise um, pretty significant um, resumes. And then the other third batch is around the Auburn, Tennessee, Texas Tech, West Virginia-ish area. Where that's where those are the teams I mentioned yeah. rooting against. So you got to wonder. I don't think two is out of the realm of possibility. Not out of the realm whatsoever. I mean, at this point, I'm not sure how you. At this point, I think Michigan State Purdue is a complete toss up. Purdue did make it further in the tournament, but MSU beat them head to head. I know Purdue had a little stronger schedule. That's right. Um, but I think that you know North Carolina again. If they were to lose early in their tournament, Michigan State could be in the mix there. I don't see them jumping over Duke. Um, and who was the last one in there? Cincinnati. You got Cincinnati, yeah. who probably just not going to fit. Hey, Cleveland State can do it. I guess I shouldn't talk, but it's just I don't. It's a they're they're kind of them in Wichita, really. Yeah. 
you know, there's some other nice teams in that conference, but they just have seemed to have kind of asserted themselves as the teams um, late here in this All right. run. Well, it certainly will be a very interesting week uh, around the nation. Um, Selection Sunday coming up Sunday. I know I'll be love it tuning in. Love it. Enjoy um, these games. Stress-free yeah. Yeah. week Seriously. of just watching some awesome craziness happen. <laughs> this is the bye week. This is essentially I mean, your, your is, bye week. This is bye week, and like I'm, we've never done it. Yeah. Just kick back. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this little decompress here for the week, but we'll be back um, hopefully very early next week. Hopefully, probably Monday. Yeah. And um, yeah, and we want to plug one. Thing. Oh yeah, one other thing, real quick, and then we will let you go. <laughs> uh, is uh, any Chicago Spartans? There is a uh, event going on this Saturday, I That's believe, right. called the Sparty Ball. Sparty Ball. Um, um, it's an annual event that uh, it's bringing together you know alumni and friends of alumni, or, you know, for philanthropy. Um, it's gonna be food, booze, um, anything good you want to do. Place. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think you get to dress up a little bit. There are going to be some some special guests on hand. Unfortunately, I heard Zeke, the Wonder Dog, may not be there. That's just a crime. But there are Why some... call it a special guest if it's not <laughs> Zeke, the Wonder Dog? But there are some actually some pretty cool um, notable Spartans that will be there. Check them out at SpartyBall.com. Um, and there's going to be a silent auction. And I believe all of the money goes towards um, students um, from the Chicago area who – We've always dreamed of going to Michigan State. Maybe need a little help. And also this year, I believe um, major- some of the funds are going toward um, the victims of the Larry Nasser um, abuse. So um, that's yeah. great. Happy I, that's happening. Unfortunately, I will not be in town to attend. But if I was, I would absolutely be going. Um, sounds like a great time for a couple of really good causes that uh, all Spartans should hold near and dear to their heart. And let us know if there are other events or cool things that you think yeah. Michigan State related. Happy to plug them. Absolutely. Happy to plug them. Just cool. for a nominal fee. No big deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So for uh, your co-host, John Kirby, this is your co-host, Austin Smith. This has been another episode of The Only Podcast. Uh, enjoy your bye week, and we will catch you guys after Selection Sunday. See ya. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.